This episode is brought to you by our sponsors and by listeners like you on Patreon. Bomba's vision is simple. Make the most comfortable clothes ever and match every item sold with an equal item donated. So when you buy Bombas, you are also giving to someone in need. Bombas has designed their socks, shirts, and underwear to be the clothes you can't wait to put on every day. The Webb family over here has used them, and we love them. They're comfy, fun-looking, and come in family packs, which is awesome. I've never seen that before. I use my Bombas socks when I go on runs, and they're extremely comfortable. Everything they make is soft, seamless, tagless, and has a cozy feel. And the Bombas t-shirts are made with thoughtful design features like invisible seams, soft fabrics, and perfect waist so they hang just right. And did you know that socks, underwear, and t-shirts are the three most requested clothing items at homeless shelters? That's why Bombas donates one for every item you buy. So far, Bombas customers like you have helped donate over 50 million items of essential clothing. Go to bombas.com slash purple rocket and get 20% off your first purchase. That's B-O-M-B-A-S dot com slash purple rocket for 20% off. Bombas.com slash purple rocket. Parents, school's out, summer's here, and the kids are back at home with a lot of free time. Go wild with wonder this summer without school. Enroll in a fun, flexible learning experience with over 140,000 online classes and camps for every kid with any interest. Look, as a fellow parent, I get the pressure of finding something engaging and useful for our kids to do over the summer break. OutSchool can help keep them engaged and their minds stimulated and their imaginations firing. They offer every kind of class you can imagine, from entrepreneurship to freestyle dancing to art, even magic lessons. There's something for kids of all ages, grades, and interests. We homeschool in the web house, and we plan to get Aurora and Cohen signed up with some out-school activities to keep them engaged in a fun way and help them explore their talents and maybe discover some new ones. Out-school will have your kids loving to learn and having fun doing it. Head over to outschool.com slash purple rocket and use code purple rocket to learn all about out-school summer programs and save $15 on your child's first class. That's O-U-T-S-C-H-O-O-L dot com slash Purple Rocket to save $15 on your child's first class. OutSchool.com slash Purple Rocket, code Purple Rocket. And don't forget, parents, supporting our sponsors is a great way to support this podcast. And now, back to our show. The surface had become a dry, desolate place. Cracked and splitting like brown scales, it stretched as far as the eye could see. In the hazy distance, gray mountain peaks curved out of the sand like massive bear claws pawing at the sky. Beneath them, reflecting the mountain's majesty, was a crystal clear lake. More of a pond, really, but an oasis nonetheless. The last known body of water. Approaching the lake from the east was a tribe of Neanderthals. The primitive people, dressed in rags, propped themselves up by their spears as they trudged toward the water. Exhausted from weeks of traveling through barren wasteland, their leathered skin blistered under the scorching sun and sweat dripped from their hairy faces. Their expressions tensed as they came to a stop a few paces from the shore. Ahead of them, 
already wading waist-deep in the water, was the rival tribe. Grunting nervously, the other tribes staggered out of the water and retrieved their weapons on the shore. For a minute, nothing happened. Angry grunts were exchanged. Weapons were waved threateningly. Some of the men started to shout. But then, with a barking command from one of the alpha males, the tribes charged and a battle of survival ensued. Clubs clashed against spears. Men rolled in the dirt and splashed in the precious water. The once peaceful mountain valley erupted in chaos. And then, quiet fell over the lake once more as the last of the Neanderthals dropped to his knees, holding a fatal wound. He looked helplessly over the tribes and the water they could have shared, the water that no one would get to claim. He collapsed to the ground. His vision faded, but before he lost consciousness, he saw something move in the dirt just below the surface. The dry earth bulged and split as a human hand appeared above the ground. A man, dressed in animal hide, pulled himself up out of the hole and a woman followed close behind. They got to their feet and looked around, shaking their heads at the fallen Neanderthals around them. To the dying man on the ground, the couple looked tall, healthy, and almost hairless, despite being covered in dirt and roots. Adam, help me with the seeds, the woman said, struggling to pull a heavy bag out of the hole. The man walked over, and together they yanked the bulging sack free. Adam swung the sack over his shoulder and wiped the sweat-soaked mud from his forehead. He put his arm around the woman and smiled. It's our turn. The Purple Rocket Podcast presents... Digger. Episode 1, Buried Treasure Our turn, Dylan said with a scoff. The thin boy with moppy black hair was sitting on an old couch, listening to his chubby friend Mac finish his story. Let me guess, that was supposed to be Adam as in Adam and Eve? Mac was holding his backpack over his shoulder as if it was Adam's sack of seeds. He tossed it aside and carefully stepped down from the chair he'd been using as a stage. If possible, he said in his usual lisp. Once a species has had its turn on the surface of the earth, another one rises from below to take its place. You're ridiculous. What? I'm not making this stuff up. It's all over the internet. Oh, so it must be true then, Dylan joked. Kind of like Sasquatch being real? They have hair and DNA evidence to prove it. Or how you think we never landed on the moon. It's one of the worst Hollywood sets ever created. 
or this doomsday bunker you had built for the end of the world that's upon us? Mac rolled his eyes. Please, you love the bunker. It's been our clubhouse for the last three years and I haven't heard you complain about it once. Dylan reached into a nearby cupboard and grabbed a candy bar off the shelf. Who would complain about an underground room stocked with candy? He bit into the chocolate bar. Mm, you better start putting some vegetables down here or we're going to get diabetes. What's a vegetable? Max said sarcastically. He plopped down onto the couch next to Dylan. Lighten up. Even if we get diabetes, I'm almost done with the cure for it anyway. He wasn't lying. Mac had basically finished a cure for diabetes and had been sitting on it for months while he tried to think of a catchy name for it. The working title was Diabetes. That was Mac, the dumbest genius on planet Earth. By age 10, he developed a computer operating system that made all other operating systems look as archaic as the printing press. He sold the technology for millions and had been supporting his family in crazy hobbies ever since. The underground bunker was just one of many crazy investments. Dylan looked at his friend, with his shoulder-length blonde hair and token Hawaiian shirt, and then at the round concrete room. Arcade games, a fully stocked kitchen, a king-sized bed, and a movie theater screen took up most of the space. Everything Mac thought essential to survive the pending apocalypse. A feeling of jealousy crept up, but Dylan quickly shook it away. I should go. He said finally. My mom's probably wondering where I'm at. Then go, Mac encouraged, popping a handful of M&Ms into his mouth. I don't want her mad at me for keeping you late. It's a miracle the woman lets us hang out at all. Most moms don't let their kids play with me. They say I'm too rich and that I basically own my parents, which is ridiculous, of course. The hatch above them opened and Mac's dad poked his head in. Mac, come clean your room. No, Dad, you clean it. Okay. The hatch door closed. Dylan chuckled to himself as he grabbed his backpack off the floor. Oh, before I forget, Max stopped him. I heard a rumor at school, very reliable, that there's treasure buried out in the baseball field. Want to go looking for it this weekend? Sounds pretty juicy. Don't say juicy. What? That's my new word. You know, like, that's a juicy car you got there. I'm done with the word cool. From now on, everything's juicy. Mac, what? You don't have to believe everything you hear. I don't. Oh yeah? Guess what? What? They figured out how to bring dinosaurs back. Mac beamed. Seriously? Dylan tilted his head. See? Mac shook it off. Okay, I see your point, but this is different. It sounds legit, Dill. Someone said that one of the principals from years ago got his hands on a bunch of jewels, went insane, buried it all under the baseball field, and disappeared forever. Dylan stopped him. Okay, first of all, that's the stupidest story I've ever heard. Worse than your Adam and the Cavemen story. They're Neanderthals. Whatever. I don't believe it, so the answer's no. Dylan walked over to the ladder. What do you need a bunch of jewels for, anyway? You've got more money than you know how to spend. That's not about the money. It's about the adventure. Dylan slung his backpack over his shoulder and started up the ladder. Sorry, not doing it. I'll see you tomorrow. And Mac, clean your room.
Dylan walked up to his house as his mom was pulling into their driveway. Her beat-up car came to a stop with a squeal and rattled before turning off, letting out one last sound that sounded like a sigh of relief. Dylan could see his mom sitting in the car, hesitating. When she stepped out, dressed in her waitress uniform, she forced a smile. Hey, honey, how was school? Dylan looked at her, concerned. It was fine. What's wrong? Nothing. Let's go inside and eat. I'm starving. They went into the little one-bedroom house and headed for the kitchen. Dylan figured his house was probably worth half as much as Mac's underground bunker. Old, peeling wallpaper covered most of the rooms, and the stained carpets were original. A crusty old basset hound they rescued from an animal shelter lounged on the couch. Dylan tossed the mopey dog a treat and took a seat at the little round table in the kitchen while his mom opened a can of soup. Mom, what's going on? he asked. Was it another bad day for tips? Dill, don't worry about it, his mom said without turning to face him. Dylan wasn't buying it. I'll go knock more doors. Mac helped me fix the mower and I could take on a few more lawns at least. No, his mom said firmly. That'll leave you no time for homework. Mom, what's going on? His mom turned to face him. Tears filled her eyes and mascara streaked down her cheeks. I lost my job, she whispered. There was silence. Which one? His mom turned away and stirred the soup. Both of them. Dylan sank into his chair. This was the fifth job his mom had been fired from in a year. Ever since his dad had left, she'd been sad all the time, and sometimes it got so bad that she couldn't get out of bed. I'll take on more lawns, Dylan said. I haven't knocked the Sky Trail neighborhood yet. I bet half those... I said no, Dylan. We'll be fine. I'll apply for more jobs tomorrow. Dylan shared a quiet dinner with his mom that night. Neither of them said a word about jobs or money or what they were going to do if the electricity was shut off. They just sipped their soup in silence. Dylan thought back on all the times Mac had offered to help them out. He must have offered a hundred times. It was usually after they'd been hanging out at Dylan's house. But Dylan always refused the help. He just couldn't bring himself to accept the money. Call it pride or call it stupidity. He couldn't accept a penny. In the back of his mind, he always knew that he could reach out to Mac if things ever got desperate. But until now, they never reached that point. After dinner, Dylan put on his leather tool belt, climbed the big oak tree in his backyard, and continued work on his treehouse. He was on the fourth level now, and was putting the finishing touches on a lookout tower where he was mounting a telescope. The treehouse was nothing compared to Mac's bunker, but that was built by a professional construction crew. This was built by Dylan's own two hands, and he took pride in his work. His dad had taught him how to work with wood before he left, and Dylan had caught on fast, building everything from half pipes for skateboards to forts to catapults. It didn't matter what it was, just working with his hands took his mind off hard things, and it made him feel good, it made him feel in control. Hank! Hank, come quick! It's another Russian spy! cried the little old lady in the neighboring backyard. She waved a garden hoe at Dylan. The Russians have better things to do than spy on you, Mrs. Odell, Dylan called down to her. 
That's exactly what a Russian spy would say. You're going to call in an airstrike. No? Come on. You seriously think I could do that? I'm going to call the police. I'm going. I'm going. He stepped away from the balcony. I wish I could call in an airstrike, he mumbled. He turned and jumped out of the treehouse onto an old trampoline. He rolled off and picked up his lucky shovel and started digging around the base of the tree. It was only a mini shovel, but it had served him well as he continued to dig a moat around his treehouse. Every time the shovel sank into the ground and tossed aside dirt, Dylan thought about Mac's latest conspiracy theory, the treasure supposedly buried under the baseball diamond at school. Ha! He laughed to himself. That's rich. Diamonds hidden under the diamond. But what if it was true? What if they did find a bunch of precious jewels hidden under the baseball field? Mac would no doubt let him keep most of it. And even if it was a small handful of gems, it would help pay for the house and their food, at least long enough for his mom to find a decent job. Maybe it would be enough to let her quit and get some help. He knew the odds were one in a gazillion. Even so... He was ready to try anything. And besides, it was like Max said, it would be an adventure. The next day, Dylan and Max sat in class, waiting for their drama lesson to end. It was Lainey Bolton's turn to act in front of the class, and as usual, she was taking it way too seriously. The quirky blonde girl was draped over a desk and reaching out her hand. I'll never let go, Jack, she said hoarsely. None of the other members in her group showed up, so it was up to her to reenact the final scene of Titanic all by herself. Dylan would have felt bad for her, but this was the kind of moment she'd practice hours in front of the mirror for. This was how he imagined it was in her home 24-7. The girl's life was a movie. She always spoke with dramatic gestures like she was auditioning for a part, and Dylan never saw her without one of those flat French caps on her head. Come back! Come back! Lainey continued in her strained voice. Come back! She'd even gone through the trouble to wear a wet dress and blue lipstick. Never let go, Rose, she suddenly said in a lower voice out of the side of her mouth. I'll never let go, Jack, I promise. She reached down and acted like she pulled a hand up to her face and kissed it and then let it go. You're letting him go, Kyle remarked from the back of the class. Kyle, shh! Mrs. Arthur scolded. Lainey wasn't phased in the slightest. She quickly jumped off the table, got to her knees, and assumed the role of Jack with surprising finesse. Her arms reached up as if they were floating, and she slowly sank towards the floor. The scene ended with her frozen face down on the classroom's uncleaned carpet. Scene, she called from the ground. Bravo, Lainey, bravo! Mrs. Arthur cheered, giving her a standing ovation and wiping a tear from her eye. Oh, I love that movie. The rest of the class wasn't quite as enthused, but they clapped anyway. Except for Dylan, who was too busy trying to make out what Mac was mouthing to him. I can't read lips, doofus. Speak up, Dylan said. Mac whispered loudly. Have you thought about what I fed yesterday? The class was clapping a little louder now, only because Mrs. Arthur was giving them the evil stink eye. Lainey bowed and curtsied as if she'd just ended a Broadway play. As the claps died down, she went to take her seat, but hearing one last lingering clap, she took it as an encore and regained her position. 
Okay, okay, fine, she said as if being begged to go back up. The class groaned. Enough, Mrs. Arthur scolded. Laney, go ahead. Yeah, I've thought about it, Dylan told Mac. And... And I think you're insane. Mac's smile parted his chubby cheeks. You brought your shovel, didn't you? Dylan sighed. Why are we even friends? Because obviously I've got power over you. Come on, you're going to be bathing in filthy riches by sundown, and you've got me to thank for it. You didn't bring that rusty piece of junk from your shed, did you? Nuts, man. We're going to need a tetanus shot after touching that thing. It's the only one I own, Dylan whispered loudly. Too loudly. Mrs. Arthur shushed them harshly, which momentarily broke Laney's concentration. For a brief second, Dylan and Laney made eye contact, and the look she gave him was one of a rabid gorilla, ready to jump over tables to hammer-punch someone into their desk. Dylan swallowed. Laney shook off the irritating interruption and resumed with her creepy rendition of the Wicked Witch melting. You cursed brat! Look what you've done! I'm melting! Melting! Oh, what a world! What a world! She cackled as she shriveled to her knees. Dylan looked over at Mac. Fifteen minutes after the last bell at the fields. Make sure you're not followed. Mac shook his head like a proud father. Spoken like a true pirate. When the last bell rang, Dylan bolted to the back fence of the playground and retrieved his lucky shovel that he'd hidden behind the pine tree. He slid it into one of the loops in his leather tool belt and waited as Mac came skipping out like an excited schoolboy. Together, they ran over to the baseball field and skidded to a stop. They looked around for a minute before Dylan finally said, Now what? Mac shrugged. I don't know, dig? Good idea. You sit back and eat some peanuts while I spend my entire weekend excavating this field. I couldn't have planned it better myself. Dylan shot him a look. Dude, you're the one who's seen the Indiana Jones movies like a hundred times, Mac reminded him. Look for a clue or an X marks the spot or something. Man, you're a goob. Soon to be swimming in treasure, goob. Go on, dig away. I'm sure you'll find something. You're the most resourceful guy I know. That last sentence was added with Mac's trademark puppy dog face that worked on no one. Dylan couldn't believe he'd been talked into this. Almost every dumb thing he'd ever done was because Mac had convinced him it would be worth it. Flying bikes? A total disaster. A skateboard ramp that went upside down? Resulted in a broken arm. A homemade two-man rocket? Singed Dylan's eyebrows right off. Mac was a good kid, but he was never satisfied with just doing the norm. Dylan figured that was probably one of the biggest reasons behind Mac's success. He wasn't afraid to fail. Dylan scanned the field. He wasn't sure what he was looking for or where he was supposed to be looking exactly. He scoured every inch of that baseball field. He looked for stacked rocks, pencils sticking out of the grass, chalk formed into letters, or baseball bats laid in an X. Anything that looked even remotely like a marked hiding spot. After accidentally grabbing a wad of chewed gum under one of the bleachers, he finally gave up and sat down in the stands. Treasure. What were we thinking? 
he thought, looking over the pathetic ballpark. Sensing his friend's irritation, Mac pushed a bag of ranch corn nuts in front of Dylan's face. No thanks, I'm good, Dylan mumbled. Suit yourself. Mac stuffed a fistful into his mouth. Man, Principal Gutierrez is a total cheapskate. What do you mean? I mean, look at this field. It's trash. Grass is patchy. Chalk is faded. Bleachers that smell like cat pee. I mean, look at it. Home base looks like it's sinking into the ground. Dylan looked at home base, and sure enough, it was dipping into the ground. You stupid genius. He patted his friend on the shoulder. Dylan ran over to home base and felt around the soft soil. The dirt was lighter than the rest of the field, and it looked like someone had done a poor job filling a hole. Mac came running over. What is it? Oh. Smiling, Dylan grabbed his mini shovel off his tool belt, kicked away the base, and started digging. I'll stand watch, Mac said, turning to face the school and folding his arms like a member of the Secret Service. Typical Mac. Betcha there are diamonds under there. Dylan dug a little faster. What on earth would you do with diamonds? Propose to Courtney? <laughs> Heck no. Why, you think she'd say yes? Probably not. I need diamonds for the circuit boards I'm building. I'm putting together a supercomputer that will make all of my other programs look like an etch-a-sketch. Dylan got a couple feet deep. How about you just go buy a bunch of diamonds? Tried, Max said with a sigh. Turns out it's hard to find enough perfect blue diamond on the market these days. Plus, I need a number of other rare precious stones if I really want it to work properly. Dylan's shovel hit three feet. Jeez, you are a pirate. Arr, shiver me timbers. Dylan P. Cassidy, came a voice from the bleachers. Dylan jumped up out of the hole. Oh boy, he'd recognize that diva march from a mile away. Laney Barton. Dylan scowled at Mac. You've got to be the worst lookout on the planet. He looked up at Laney. My middle name doesn't start with a P. Uh, yeah, it does, you punk. How'd you find us? Mac asked as Laney marched up to them. Dylan noticed that she was wearing a pink sneaker on one foot and a green one on the other, and she was dressed in a foofy floral shirt that oozed out of a pair of overalls. Laney squinted at Mac from under her French cap. Dylan's throwing up a cloud of dirt that might as well be a smoke signal, and your Hawaiian shirts are bright enough to blind a person, Mac. Normally, I'd stay clear of your shenanigans, but I couldn't help but notice that you two miscreants were vandalizing public property. Dylan put down his shovel and wiped his forehead. Don't speak with an accent. You're not British. Blaney didn't realize it, but during her last sentence, she'd been briefly possessed by the Queen of England. We're just leveling the field for Coach Skiles, he lied. He's paying us to help him out with a few jobs, and we told him we'd get the work done as soon as school let out. Laney raised an eyebrow. You're going to level this whole field at five feet deep? And with that pathetic excuse for a tool? Told you it was a piece of junk, Mac interjected. Shut it, Mac, Dylan snapped. Go back to your movie life, Laney. We're busy. Laney raised a shocked eyebrow and dramatically swiveled her head side to side. Better to be a movie star than a future criminal. And I don't appreciate you interrupting my final presentation, by the way. 
I'd like to see you brilliantly bring to life four scenes all by yourself. So rude. Dylan turned back to his hole. Please, cry me some of those fake tears of yours. You listen to me! Laney grabbed Dylan by the collar and yanked him away from the hole. If you want to go dig yourself into a deep, deep hole, fine. Just don't forget to bury yourself in it when you're done. Carefully, Dylan pulled her hand off his shirt as to not provoke one of her infamous hard slaps he'd seen her practice in class. I'll get right on that, he told her. Laney turned and stormed off the field. Time to find yourself some new friends, Mac, she said before disappearing behind the dugout. Already tried, Mac called after her. Drama queen, Dylan mumbled as he jumped back into the hole. He rammed his shovel back into the dirt and sent dust flying over his shoulder. Dig, scoop, dig, scoop. Dylan kept digging, arms trembling and back aching as the sun sank lower in the sky. The hole was now almost deep enough for him to need help getting out. Another hard hack and his shovel sank into the softest soil yet. As he went to pull it out, he noticed something odd. The dirt around the blade was sinking. Little grains pulled down, first around the shovel and then around his feet. The gradual tug from below felt as though he was being squeezed through a giant hourglass. Um, Mac? He called out. Mac threw aside his bag of chips and scrambled over excitedly. Did you find something? The dirt was sucking Dylan's feet under. It's pulling me down! Hurry, grab my hands! Mac dropped to his stomach and reached out to grab Dylan's hands. As soon as their hands clasped, Dylan dropped down into the dirt waist deep, pulling Mac forward. Oh, this is bad! This is bad! This is bad! Mac cried. Help! Dylan shouted. Help! <gasps> with one last breath, Dylan was sucked down, pulling Mac along with him until they were yanked down into smothering darkness. For the first few seconds, Dylan couldn't breathe. He felt the earth around him constrict from his toes all the way up to his head as if he was being swallowed by a massive python and being squeezed down into its belly. The suffocating force finally eased, and they both found themselves dropping free and sliding down a gaping tunnel at lightning speed. Down they went, slipping, turning, twisting through the wet, dark shaft and picking up speed. Occasionally, as the hole grew steeper, Dylan felt his stomach jump up into his throat as he went completely airborne, only to be jolted back hard against the mudslide. He reached up for the tunnel's wall to try and stop himself, but it was too slippery. Slimy roots, mud, and worms streaked across his fingers, and still they fell. They were so deep now that not even the faintest glimmer of sunlight could be seen. Dylan and Max screamed their brains out, their yells frequently being interrupted by an OW! Ooh, yeah! Finally, Dylan's feet hit something. It was gooey at first, like thick hair gel that slowed the fall, and then it became hard. And crash! His feet broke through. Dylan's whole body shot out of an opening like a cannonball, and he landed on what felt like an inflated parachute. Seconds later, Mac came screaming out and landed next to him. The soft material beneath them absorbed the fall and then launched them back up into the air, making them smack up into a hard surface and then land a little more gently back onto the parachute. It took a minute, but eventually Dylan caught his breath. He was terrified and confused. His head hurt, his arms hurt, 
His whole body ached. Where was he? Had they fallen down a forgotten mine shaft? It was impossible to tell for sure since it was still too dark. Mac, you okay? Dylan whispered. He could hear his friend whimpering a few feet away. I don't know, Mac whined. I think I broke my butt. Dylan noticed a dot of light slowly gliding across the black ceiling above. Then he saw more of them, entire clusters glittering on the dark surface. Some formed patterns like constellations, and others were brighter like planets. Dylan pulled himself to his feet on the unstable ground and stood to get a closer look. A bright spot streaked overhead, leaving a glowing trail behind it. Why, they were stars. As real and bright as he'd ever seen them. But they couldn't be real. Not down here. They had to be projections or some kind of luminescent bug or something. Dylan reached up and touched the ceiling. It was wet and cold. Sure enough, the starry lights danced over the back of his hand. Tiny projections of light. Whoa, he mumbled. Out of the corner of his eye, he noticed a glow coming from behind him. He turned and carefully stepped towards the edge of the big shadowy thing on which he stood. As he peeked over it, lights twinkled across his stunned face. Are we dead? Mac moaned behind him. Dylan gazed down at the glowing city of crystal below. Far from it. Hey Rocketeers, I hope you enjoyed the premiere of our new series, Digger. We've got a really fun, exciting adventure ahead of us, and I can't wait to jump into it. I want to take a second to thank my editor, my mom, Roxanne Webb, for fine-tuning this story and all of my stories. Mom, you're amazing. And Rocketeers, you're amazing. Thank you so much for listening to these episodes and for supporting the podcast. If you haven't done so already, please leave a review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts and let me know what you think. I love getting the feedback and leaving a review helps others discover the show. And of course, don't forget to tune in for episode two, which is coming to you soon. Till next time, Rocketeers, this is your host, Greg Webb.